Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrodoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. What up, Matt? What up, what up, what up? Like my shirt? Yeah. Michael, the Michael Fire. Scott's fun run race for the cure. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I recognize it right away. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott's fun run race for the cure. What is it? The Michael Scott's Thunder Mifflin Scranton Meredith Palmer Memorial Celebrity Rabies Awareness Pro-Am fun run race for the cure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The office. The Pro-Am part's the funniest part of that all. <laughs> <laughs> The Office is one of the best best shows ever created. I will uh, I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> but yeah, the NFL season is officially over, folks. Which means we are now on to officially on to the off season. It's February sixteenth. I hope you guys enjoyed your Valentine's Day. Hope you had nice Valentine's days. Um, and we're talking about some players that we love, get it, and hate for fantasy. We're going to be talking about the running back position. Some of the impending free agents going to be looking at their uh, recent production their potential role best landing spots things of that sort uh, what type of contract we could ex- expect so this is going to be a fun episode this episode of course is brought to you by the fantasy football by brodo app the fantasy football by brodo app is a year-round app don't delete it just because the football season is over we're going to have a, done a, a ton of dynasty and even some Debbie stuff for you um, throughout the offseason you could look at all the players we're discussing now you could look at all of their recent um, production and numbers and stats and fantasy performances over the last five years on the app and much more. We're going to have uh, dynasty content for Matt. We're going to have um, the player comps for the rookies and things of that sort. It's just keep that app download on your phone. Just keep using it. This is where you get the uh, the edge for the fantasy season coming up in 2023. There's already some best ball drafts going on. Maybe you guys are a part of the crazy lunatics who are already drafting i've considered it i might jump into one of those one of those uh quick underdog i don't know if i'm quite ready yet (laughs) i'm actually i still have so many dynasty teams that i need to like manipulate and manage for off-season value swings that like those best ball bath those best ball drafts are incredibly daunting on top of that yeah fair enough but yeah that's that's the show is presented by the fantasy football Proto app so go download that app join Patreon.com slash fantasy football if your heart so excuse me, patreon.com slash brodo fantasy. I said slash fantasy football if your heart desires as well. Get a bunch of uh a bunch of perks like the Discord and an extra episode that Matt and I are going to be recording after this, going to be discussing the Super Bowl and such. Um so yeah, go there too. With that being said, Matt, we have 10 RBs on tap today to be discussing uh, their landing spot, their production, their contracts, and things of that sort. Some high-end names here. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is a pretty loaded running back free agency class and a lot more like firepower than I'm used to seeing. Like this many really good names in free agency. Oh, there goes Matt. A little Wi-Fi. Little Wi-Fi issues seems to be having. Dun dun dun. Let's see how long it takes Matt to jump back in here. There he is. He's back. Matt's back. What Hopefully up, Matt? not long. Yeah. This Wi-Fi yeah. situation is brutal right now. It's all right. I I just uh I kept it going. You know we're on for the brand. We're on YouTube now. 
that's that's the thing with these uh these streamyard clips. You can't really cut. You can't pause. You have to just either go or end it. So you were only gone for like twenty seconds. So it's all good. I'll just ask you the question right. once more. Um, I said we have ten running backs on tap to discuss today, and I feel like. 10 high powered names more so than we've seen in recent memory. Am I just like, yeah. Do you think I'm just like, you know, a little recency bias by saying that you did think this is actually a pretty high end running back class of free agents than we're typically used to seeing free agents and, and rookies. And yeah, this is legitimately a league altering franchise altering NFL changing trajectory changing year for running backs in the NFL. And and you're talking about, we have 10 on the list, but there are a few more honorable mentions and, and big names outside of that. Like, you know, guys, even like, like Jarek McKinnon, who just won a Super Bowl with the Kansas city chiefs is expected obviously to be an understated free agent at the age of 31. And, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, even in their later ages have proven to have in- incredible roles and, and value on the teams that they're in. So couple that with no less than 10 um, prospects in the upcoming rookie draft that are going to have elongated NFL careers, um, whether it be as role players or superstars, you know, what, regardless of what end of the spectrum you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, this is the craziest year for running back shifts that I've ever seen as a football fan. Yeah. I can't disagree. It's a, it's going to be fun to see where all these guys land and look, Matt and I did not discuss our landing spots. Um, we chose the ten the ten names we're going to be uh, discussing, but we did not choose. We did not discuss who, what fits we we're going to go with. So maybe Matt and I have the same exact mindset and wrote the same exact team for each of these not. running backs. Maybe we're complete opposites and we're going to yell at each other. That's what the, this podcast is for. Let's see. <laughs> uh, we're going to dive into it with uh, with the premier asset here, Matt, turning twenty six years old. Fresh off of a healthy season again, finally. 1,300 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 338 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns. Um, A top 10 running back had 76 targets on the year, and that's Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Matt, we know Saquon has, you know, there's a lot of people who think Saquon is Saquon still of like rookie year. I'm not one of those people. I think he's very good, but I don't think he's at that level anymore. There's people who think he should get paid, paid. There's people who think he shouldn't really get paid. I'm going to let you start it here with what you, how you think. I mean, Saquon doesn't even think he should get paid, paid. (laughs) Or did he he say that? I mean, I I, I miss Saquon literally has an, an interview. Um, he doesn't even think he's getting like he said in, in an interview, he doesn't think he's going to reset the market. Um, he's not even looking to do so. He just wants to find the right fit, you know, for the right money. So I, he doesn't expect to get like the highest paid or Zeke money. And, and I think Zeke kind of ruined that contract market. I don't think you're ever going to see running backs get paid that type of money anymore, especially with you're looking at Deshaun Watson's contract and in comparison to Patrick Mahomes. And it's not, necessarily that yes he is overpaid Deshaun because it wasn't proven but it's the fact like Patrick is incredibly underpaid Josh Allen is incredibly underpaid for the value that they bring to their team so you're going to see the quarterback market reset and the running back market is going to get justifiably a lot thinner and with this many assets coming in it's going I think you're going to see 
teams be less willing to throw a lot of money at a high profile guy like Saquon. So yeah, that said is I do obviously have him as my number one free agent entering this season. I think his best fit in a potential role is obviously RB1, versatile zone blocking, run focused offense, but not necessarily run dominant because he is such a versatile pass catcher. And I mean, if he were just to take on the entire production of the Buffalo Bills backfield, I would be incredibly happy. I really like would like to see Saquon stay in New York, maybe go a little further north, put himself on a contending team. Obviously, that for contract structuring wouldn't work out unless, mm-hmm. you know, Buffalo cleared a little bit of cap. Um, but that's my perfect fit for him. If he had Singletary's role, James, Co- James Cook's later in the season role, like combine, you know, a three down workload into Saquon Barkley and you can just get rid of James Cook as well. Um, and Singletary is obviously an impending free agent. Yeah, that, that's what my type of contract. What type of contract do you think the Bills would give him? Contract wise, is I mean, I think he's still going to get top twelve market value. I think it's also going to be a multi year extension. You said twenty six years old. I think Saquon's looking at a three to four year contract. Like this team is probably his last major extension. Um, not necessarily the team that he's going to retire with by any means, but definitely his last productive years will be on whoever he signs this contract with, because I do see it being probably the longest extension um, other than potentially uh, the next guy that we talk about, but probably the longest extension of any of the free agent running backs. Interesting. I like it. I like the bills fit. We are uh, not in line on this one just to start. Look at that. So we're not going to be saying the same exact things here. I This is the sneak peek, I suppose. The only player that I decided to keep on the same team. I think Saquon with the really? Giants. Yes, I think Saquon with the Giants. I have one. And, ah, interesting. And Brian Dable just makes too much sense. Um, Daniel yep. Jones had a career year this year with Dable, and uh, a lot of it was because of their ability to use Saquon Barkley in space and get him into uh, get him into the game plan and get him just moving around and being a Saquon esque, not fully Saquon of of uh, the lore that we remember <laughs> rookie yeah. season. But I and that's where I agree with you, man. I don't think he's quite that rookie tier. Yeah, but he's still a very, very good running back. I think if the Giants are going to re-sign Daniel Jones or move on, either way, they're not going to have that A1 starting quarterback that can just carry the team. I think they know that, and I think they're going to want to stick with a guy that they trust and already knows the system and someone they they feel uh, the familiarity and the trust in um, with Saquon Barkley. So I think Saquon stays with the Giants. I think that's the best spot for him. And I, I think they give him a, I mean, he's he's approaching 26 years old. Right? He is 26 years old. He just turned 26. So he is reaching that age apex time. I think they give him a three or four year deal, um, maybe like $12 yeah, million, dollars, 12 and a half in that Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones area, Derrick Henry area um, of pay. Yep. I think that would make sense. Maybe a four year. Yeah, right in the top um, 12. Yeah, yeah. Four year, $50 million deal would give him the same average salary as uh, Derrick Henry and it would keep him long-term in New York. And I don't think Giants fans would be super upset with that based on, uh, based on the, this, the, the I way think they Giants fans would be super upset if they didn't resign him. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I don't look, I'm a, I'm not one of the, uh, the big RB guys when it comes to paying running backs. So I don't, I probably wouldn't give Saquon four years and 50 million, but I can see the Giants definitely going, 
going in that direction. So there you go. We got Saquon to the Bills for Matt and Saquon to the Giants for me. Next up, Matt, I'll let you kick this one off. 25-year-old breakout candidate, Josh Jacobs. Hit me with your Yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs is most most productive season of his career in the first season in which a team or well, I guess the Raiders, he's only played there, but the first season in which the Raiders uh, allocated more than 80% of the opportunity share to a young Josh Jacobs. And I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to me that they didn't ever in any point um, go to that where obviously they spent an insane amount of draft capital on him. Um, They had a more competitive team in his younger years than they did this season as they're now moving on from a quarterback that they had extended into what they deemed a winning window with Derek Carr and have now cut him and um, relieved themselves of a $42 million cap hit. Um, But yeah, Josh Jacobs, 340 carries, 1,653 yards, 53 receptions, 400 receiving yards, 12 total touchdowns, 19.3 fantasy points per game. That was good for RB3. I mean, I think Josh, much like Saquon, I think Saquon's name honestly is going to hold a little bit more on the running back market. Um, And a part of that reason is obviously if he does stay with the Giants, that might be where he could make his most money. But Saquon is looking healthier and doesn't have the same wear that Josh Jacobs has. Like we haven't seen very many running backs, not just recently, but in NFL history, be able to maintain multi years of production after hitting that 320 touch threshold. Like Derek Henry is honestly the only example ever. And it, and sometimes there's bounce backs, but like you've seen it with quite literally everybody, uh, Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, like all these guys that hit 300 touches and, and close to 2000 yards, uh, Adrian Peterson tears his ACL. I mean, even Derek Henry broke his foot, right? Like it is just seems to be a threshold of mileage for NFL running backs that you can't truly maintain that top end production after, you know, redlining it for an entire season. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it was, you know, I wonder if the Raiders, think back and they're like shit we i guess we should have picked up that because you don't know if they would have ran him to the ground as much as they did if they picked up his option but i think they kind of surprised them to see him put up 1600 rushing yards 12 rushing touchdowns and start catching the ball 51 receptions i mean saquon had 57 so they're only six receptions apart and josh jacobs actually had 60 more receiving yards just under 60 more receiving yards than saquon barkley So Josh Jacobs is a guy who really balled out. He had one of the highest PFF grades as well, a big increase over the uh, over last season. And my fit here, did you say you're a fit, Matt, for Josh Jacobs for your best landing spot? I I didn't, um, but I (laughs) I I also have like a little potential role. Obviously, I think he's got to maintain the money that they're any team is going to allocate Josh Jacobs based off of like if he has an agent with half a brain he should probably be the highest paid running back in free agency, right? Like there's no deny he has the best stats out of any running back entering free agency. And he is the youngest out of any of those running backs. So if you're younger than Saquon, right, matters. So he should obviously get paid the most. I still think the market is going to take Saquon's name, but yeah, Someone that loves to run the football, has a ton of salary cap, and is looking, I think, to boost their offensive committee. I don't think that Tyler Algier is the answer, so the Atlanta Falcons. 
Ah, okay. I like it. I like it. I think the Falcons may have a little bit too much work to do um, to sign Josh Jacobs and focus on the RB position, but I do, I do like the landing spot for me. The landing spot for me for Josh Jacobs here is a team that allocated a lot of money to the RB position surprisingly last season on a two-year $12 million deal for Chase Edmonds that did not work out at all, and that's the Miami Dolphins. I think Josh Jacobs landing with Mike McDaniel, Tua, Waddle, Hill, and company makes a ton of sense. Um, Mike McDaniel would be able to use Josh Jacobs on all downs, would be able to work him into the uh, the offense pretty seamlessly, I think. I mean, every Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel-type offense, they never seem to have trouble finding productive running backs. But they showed last year that they are willing to pay for a running back that they think fits the mold of that team and Chase Edmonds, and that didn't work out. I think Josh Jacobs proved this year that he can catch the ball. Maybe they're looking for a running back who can catch the ball more effectively than Josh Jacobs, but I do think Jacobs proved that he has that ability. Um and he's hitting the free agent market. The Dolphins had a uh, had a solid season, but they they were a letdown at the end there with all the injuries to Tua and company. I think they're looking to bounce back and uh, take the reins of the AFC East next year if they can. So I think uh, I think Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense going to Miami on a on a Joe Mixon esque deal. Joe Mixon got forty eight million over four years. I think Josh Jacobs makes sense getting maybe three for thirty six or four for. 48 um and signing with the miami dolphins if they uh if they feel like that that's the way they want to allocate their money this offseason yeah we we very much agree on at least the contract length i mean i love that landing spot for josh jacobs especially for fantasy purposes um and i think mike mcdaniels is also the type of offensive mind that can get jacobs similar production obviously not counting stats total, but similar production in efficiency stats on less touches, which the Raiders, yeah. you know, couldn't do until uh, McDaniel without the S came or McDaniels with the S. Yeah. <laughs> Josh McDaniels uh, came in yeah. and, and obviously started drawing up what was just the Patriots offense, um, yeah. which we've obviously seen produces very, very efficient running backs on low volume. Uh, so I think it's a great fit. And and contract wise, yeah, I very much agree. I, I think he probably should get paid the most. I think Saquon's name might switch that market a little bit uh, to where Saquon maybe edges him out. But yeah, I also do have it written down here in my notes that I, I believe Jacobs would get the longest extension out of anybody. Just being twenty five years old, he might he might hit that five year range. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so I have. Jacobs to the Dolphins, and you have Jacobs to the Falcons. Moving on to RB number three, turning 26 years old, which might surprise some people because he's yet to be a a full-time star in the league, but he's always shown that he has the ability to be that, and that is Tony Pollard, the one and only, the analytical darling, Tony Pollard, turning 26 years old, hitting free agency. Tony Pollard this year was... Tremendous. 988 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns, 371 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. By all accounts, he was a very, very good running back, better than Zeke. And uh, even at the end of the year, the Dallas Cowboys finally were giving him uh, giving him the touches that Zeke was taking from him over the last year or two. So Tony Pollard, I don't think there's any way you could deny Tony Pollard's ability. Tony Pollard is an absolutely tremendous football player. And for me, I think a 
great landing spot for Tony Pollard would be the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City yep. Chiefs are coming off of a Super Bowl win with CEH starting the year, scoring touchdowns, and then getting benched. Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh-round rookie, ground-and-pound type of guy, taking off um, late in the year. And Jarek McKinnon as the pass pat catching back, except... Jarek McKinnon was playing less of a role. Jarek McKinnon ended the year super, super strong, just being a pass catcher, scoring a bunch of touchdowns. And then in the playoffs, Isaiah Pacheco kind of took over. He started catching some passes as well. It's not like the Chiefs are uh, the Chiefs aren't going to go and sign Jarek McKinnon, I don't think, or re-sign him, that is. And Isaiah Pacheco, he is who he is. He's good, but he's a seventh-round rookie, and he's more of a ground-and-pound type of guy. If the Chiefs bring in Tony Pollard, they get that Jarek McKinnon-esque rusher slash pass catcher just way younger and more talented. Like Tony Pollard in that offense would be absolutely ridiculous. I like it would just make that offense unstoppable, um, I think. And it would it makes a ton of sense in my mind for the Chiefs to go after someone like Tony Pollard. The question is, do they want to allocate the cap room to the running back position when they've had so much success? Not really doing that in the past. The I only don't one they did know if they have CH. to with Pollard. Oh, that's true, too. And because Tony Pollard doesn't have the uh, track record as some other guys, if they're able to get him for like uh, like Kareem Hunt got six million a year. Austin Eckler that's is right. actually mm-hmm. only at six million a year right now. Leonard Fournette's at seven. James Connors at seven. That's kind of disrespectful. If he, if they could get him for like three years, 24 million, maybe Tony Pollard signs a contract like that to uh because he wants to win. A lot of these players want to win as well. Um, I think that would just be absolutely glorious for the Chiefs and for Tony Pollard. So we we have our first overlap and landing spot. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that one was honestly like too obvious potentially. Um, but this is the one where I, I said that I kind of have one staying in the, in the same team as well. I do think that if they because it can happen before the combine begins i think or maybe a few days after um but either way they do have the the dead cap out for zeke where they can shed a ton of salary cap if they just cut him or it's much better in their benefit to not take the dead cap hit and restructure which you probably would think zeke would do um hopefully uh but but that said i think tony pollard does the true rb1 in a zekeless cowboys offense behind that offensive line um is is absolutely phenomenal as well kansas city is the best absolute landing spot if he takes on jarek mckinnon's role and then pacheco still is the change of pace i mean you've seen what pollard can do in low volume he is literally an rb1 at every time he's ever been given more than 10 touches (laughs) so in that kansas city offense with them living in the red zone uh absolutely love it and my point to why i think they can is I think that Tony Pollard's going to have to sign a prove it deal. Um, 20, yeah, 26 years old, a prove it deal on a one to two year contract and can still get a, you know, a shorter extension at 28. Maybe that would up his veteran value um, into his, you know, early 30s, 28 to 30, kind of on that Melvin Gordon esque, Kareem Hunt esque contract again. I think that Tony's going to have to sign a one to two year. Hopefully he gets that three to four, but a one to two year contract on that four and a half to six million dollar range because it's also Dallas's offense and the way that, you know, Kellen Moore runs offense. He's got to be able to prove it that he can do it in a different system, uh, do it with more touches, uh, 
obviously I don't think Kansas City would have any worries about the players that they're signing <laughs> to fit in their system. Uh, like they can literally grab anybody. Um, MVS, Juju obviously had fantastic Super Bowl winning seasons as far as their career norms are concerned. Yeah. Uh, Pollard in Kansas City on a prove it deal is, is I think, actually very likely. Look at that. We have our first uh, first combo agreement here of Tony Pollard to the Kansas City Chiefs as the best landing spot. The next man up is a guy who had a very... David Montgomery had a very David Montgomery-esque season. 780 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, 316 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Just like he got outplayed by Khalil Herbert at times when he was healthy. Just a very David Leverage Montgomery... Just a very David Montgomery-esque season from the uh, the plotter type of running back. He's turning 26 by the time the next football season starts. So, Matt, why don't you start us off with David Montgomery and how you see uh, how you see that going? Yeah, I, Khalil Herbert is better than David Montgomery at every facet of football, like period. And Montgomery is the first guy on our list that we're getting that he's not actually a full free agent. He's just a cut candidate, and they're highly unlikely to pick up his fifth-year option. It's one of the... Um, more talked about cut candidates as far as the, these contracts are concerned because they have Khalil Herbert, because they, it, it's not like the bears don't have the salary cap room, but they're in no position to sign Montgomery to a multi-year extension when they have nobody on their roster to compete with. I think Herbert and potentially any free agent or rookie running back that the bears decide to bring in is just as a good replacement level as David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert as a combo is. So I highly doubt that they keep Montgomery around. And as you said, it was just a very Montgomery season got a little hot towards the end there where people were like, Oh, well, here comes the, you know, three weeks of RB one to close out that we always get from Monty, which always spikes his value into the next season. And we, we got that, but it was also, you know, not as hot as usual. Like it came as very low end RB one finishes. Uh, Herbert outperformed him while on the field. And obviously once again in the second consecutive season, when Montgomery got hurt, I think that the bears can look at Khalil Herbert and understand even in one of the most dysfunctional franchises and understand it's probably smarter to keep this guy around for another two years on his rookie deal than it is to allocate $48 million to David Montgomery. Fair enough. Where do you where do you see David Montgomery landing? That said, <laughs> I think his potential role is obviously a lead early down back, committee backfield still. I don't think Monty can take on an 80% opportunity share anymore. For one, he's not efficient enough to do so. And two, I don't think that if if you're going to give him an 80% opportunity share, you're probably going to sign him to one of the higher free agents contracts in the offseason this year. And I don't think he's worth that money. So a team that has a lot of cap, but can afford a guy that maybe fits into their next year's plans, but not this year's plans, the Carolina Panthers, a team that will utilize a bruiser, a thumper. Obviously, Monty can catch some passes. So, you know, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, Foreman being an impending free agent, Chuba being a free uh, rookie that is probably unlikely to hit a fifth year option after 2023. So yeah, I think that's his best fit, if, especially if he wishes to maintain relevance in the NFL, because he has done nothing to prove that he's worthy of a big contract, in my opinion. Yeah. I have no, uh, no, no argument to anything you said about David Montgomery's ability or lack thereof, <laughs> to be honest. But for me, this spot for, David Montgomery, I think it's a little bit of a poetic justice. Um, 
the Las Vegas Raiders just denied well, last season denied Josh Jacobs fifth year option, and then they ran their offense through Josh Jacobs, and they got the run game going and. I think they're going to be upset about the fact they don't no longer have Josh Jacobs on their team. And I think they're going to be in a very Raiders move, try to fix it by signing a lesser version of that player. I think a, uh, I think a two year, $10 million ish contract for David Montgomery to go to the Raiders makes sense. And in just a, in just a move where everyone sees it and goes, all right, whatever. Cause it's not like a big headline move or it's not something that, it may not make a ton of sense on the surface, but I just I have a feeling that the Raiders just are very make do just make a very Raiders move, and they're like, yeah, let's go get a running back because that's what we need to boost our team. And then David Montgomery is like the lead guy there instead of Josh Jacobs this coming season. But time will tell. So for me, I got Josh Jacobs to the Raiders, and you got Josh Jacobs to the Panthers. Montgomery, Excuse me, David Montgomery. Yep. David Montgomery, yes. <laughs> Yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to get more money and a better landing spot than David. Montgomery. I would hope so. Moving on, this one, this guy, ooh, this guy's fun. This guy turning, turning twenty eight years old, which is look Scary. not ideal to be turning twenty eight years old, hitting free agency as a running back, especially when you are coming off of several uh, declining seasons. And that's Alvin Kamara of the well, previously of the New Orleans Saints, seven hundred ninety one rushing yards this year, two rushing touchdowns. 480 receiving yards. Of course, it's where he excels and two receiving touchdowns played almost full season. Hasn't looked like Alvin Kamara that really just blew up in his first couple of years with uh, with New Orleans. Now he's he's really reaching that age where you're concerned um, if he's going to be able to continue being effective. Um, Alvin Kamara is a player that can be cut. I believe I don't think he's a free agent. Um, I had his contract open. I accidentally closed it, and I forgot. Matt, if you want to check that for me, Alvin Kamara's exact contract. Oh yeah, no, structure, it, but it's it's. I think it's a team option that they they can pick up. Uh, he is a free agent though. Uh, yeah, there you go. He also has the legal situation going on still, and the legal situation. Yeah, and with the way Alvin Kamara played last year, you have to assume they're not going to pick up his contract when he's the uh, the second highest paid running back in the league at this point in uh, average per year, who's making fifteen million. So I do think he hits free agency and my perfect landing spot for Alvin Kamara is a one or two year deal to go to the Buffalo Bills and turn Josh Allen and company into a uh, Super Bowl contender and really solidify that backfield for the first time in the last several years. Yeah, they'll have Devin Singletary still and Devin Singletary could mix in, but they they traded for Naheem Hines and Naheem Hines didn't mix in really in the backfield. He was more just a punt returner. They they drafted Zach Moss and that didn't work out. Like they've just been looking for the RB answer for a while now. And if they could get Alvin Kamara on a two year deal, one year deal, maybe, maybe one year, 8 million or two years, 12 million with a lower per average salary, something like that for Alvin Kamara um, before he hits age 30. I think that makes a ton of sense for Buffalo and for Alvin Kamara to really excel over the next couple of years. Um, after a couple down seasons. So for me, I think Buffalo bills here. I know you Matt had Saquon going to the bills. I think uh, Alvin Kamara. Very similar reasoning, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Alvin Kamara makes sense as the guy that they could trust out of the backfield, catch passes, still have a Josh Allen-led offense, and uh, mix in a running back who is better than they've had in several years. 
And just just so that we, you know, get all, all the facts straight, the Saints did restructure his contract so that they can cut him this offseason with a dead cap hit. That's how it's working. There you go. Yeah, I knew so, there. Uh, I he, had like his. Uh, he's a free agent. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had his contract yeah. details open and I exited out and I was like, oh, there go the contract details. <laughs> because they didn't. Um, they certainly like that restructuring came um, this offseason. So they certainly like Mickey Loomis knows what he's doing. When you look at the yeah. Saints and and as far as their like contract restructuring and things like that go, they're probably the easiest to read between the lines because of how good Mickey Loomis is at shedding cap. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, they're going to cut this guy. <laughs> like, like I, yeah. I tweeted it out earlier, like when they, they restructured Michael Thomas a couple weeks ago, um, like they're going to cut him in, th- in less than 31 days because they restructured it to that exact 31 day point is when the guaranteed money kicks in. Smart. So, yeah, like <laughs> you. So in less than a month, Michael Thomas will not be on the Saints anymore. Um, yeah, that said, with with Camara, I have his best landing spot as um the Dolphins. So where you had Ooh, uh, Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs going there, I, I think that Kamara is a little bit of a better fit in that scheme. That 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 scheme that, that Mike McDaniel runs is exactly the scheme that Alvin Kamara succeeded in. Is that widespread zone scheme um, where he doesn't have to run between the tackles? That all of the blocking is made in open space for him, and then they utilize the running backs in the receiving room. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, both impending free agents, on the lower level. That's why they didn't make our top ten list, but. Camara with that cut, the restructured contact, him being able to take a bunch of his signing bonus up front and then just get off of the Saints. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be able to convince him to take one of those veteran level contracts, the Kareem Hunt style money, the Latavius Murray. Um, well, a few years ago, obviously, more Melvin Gordon style money um, when he first signed with the Broncos and, you know, get themselves a guy that fits perfectly into their system and fits perfectly into their win window. If, if Tua doesn't get hurt, I think obviously the Dolphins are looking like a much stronger team. They certainly did look like a much stronger team before the concussions, unfortunately, derailed what was a very, very impressive season. Kamara's in that veteran window where I think they can still afford him under their salary cap. Should he should he get cut? And perfect fit for Mike McDaniel just to have a speedy explosive receiving back that can kind of do it all fill that famous San Francisco 49ers running back role where he's just uber productive even with limited touches which we've seen it's very difficult for Kamara to maintain a 27 per touch um, production ceiling these days he's 28 (laughs) yeah fair enough um I like it. I like it. I do think Alvin Kamara's abilities might be a better fit in that Dolphins offense. I just don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna want to go for someone who's twenty eight compared to the the youth of Josh Jacobs. Moving on to the next running back here, a backup who has shown that he could be the guy in stints, but even when his the lead back on his team was healthy, he wasn't really even really mixing in much. He's more he's really just been an injury replacement, but he has shown that he could play well um, in those opportunities. Turning twenty five years old, so not really a concern in terms so of age young, yet. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Matt, I'm going to let you kick this off with the goat Alexander Madison. Alexander yeah. Madison. <sighs> The goat handcuff. I mean, I, I, it's, 
incredible to me that I feel like Alexander Madison has just been like the best handcuff in, you know, rounds right. 15 plus for like 10 years now. And he's only 25, but he did get drafted super young, obviously had a project, uh, productive collegiate career and the Vikings snatched him up in the, that fourth round. I think Alexander Madison can legitimately be an RB one a in a committee on any team in the NFL. I have his best fit going to the saints as a Camara replacement in that offense, just taking on a prove it deal much very similar. I have him in that in the notes. I have him chase Edmonds contract. So they, the saints throw chase Edmonds, what, you know, he got from the dolphins on a, on a two year deal with a third year team option. Um, not really a salary cap breaking deal, but certainly puts the saints in a position where they have a 25 year old guy that would play through his age 28 season on a below market level deal and running back should be the least of their concerns right now as far as the you know the quarterback concerns the defense of getting like every all pro member of the saints defense being over 30 except for Lattimore. um so all of those concerns with the saints having to retool maybe not rebuild because they don't want to um which sucks as a saints fan you'd like to see them just blow it up and rebuild it but that said, I think Madison is the perfect fit for them. Somebody that is going to be valued below market because he's never had a lead role only as an injury replacement and somebody that they can give a lead role to and keep through their retooling years. I like it. I like that landing spot. And it's uh, pretty funny that you went with the Saints, I'm not going to lie, because I went with uh, Mr. Saint himself, Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos here for Alexander That makes a lot Madison. of sense. <laughs> yeah. Alexander Madison, as we know, is a, a more of a he needs to prove it still type of running back, but has been good in spurts. And Javante Williams is in Denver, but he has not been able to stay healthy. He's looked good when on the field, but I think Sean Payton and company. I mean, Sean Payton has turned running backs into stars his entire career, right? Like the Pierre Thomases, the Mark Ingrams, the Alvin oh, Kamara. Man, what like, a name drop. I love Pierre so much. Pierre Thomas was the man. Yeah. So Shout out good. Pierre Thomas. So, I mean, Sean Payton knows what he's doing with the running back position. And he's made all these players stars while sharing the ball in the backfield as well. So I do think the Broncos are going to look for a 1A, 1B type situation to pair with Javante Williams. I don't think the answer is on their roster at the moment. Um, I think the answer is a player like Alexander Madison, who they could likely get for fairly cheap i mean jamal williams got three million a year uh, gus edwards four million a year cordell patterson roughly five million a year so if they go ahead and get alexander madison for a three-year 15 million dollar deal something like that a little low-key but nice addition i could see that uh i could see him fitting right into the denver because they're also looking to win right now like trading a first round pick for sean payton after what they after this terrible season they had a defensive a defensive side that is very, very good. Like they just need their offense to pick it up. And uh, Alexander Madison, I think would help out that backfield and makes a ton of sense for uh, the Broncos to go after him and uh, make him a one, a one B with uh, Mr. Javante Williams. Once he returns from injury. Yeah, I want to I want to change spot. my answer. That that's the perfect landing spot for Madison. Out of yeah. all the players that were listening, <laughs> I, I or that were listing today, rather, I, I think that that might be the best answer because I mean, it's it's shouldn't be a secret either that Javante is not going to be ready to start the season. And I think yeah. you said the most important thing: 
They need to win now. They are not looking for any lean years with Sean Payton under this contract. And it is immediately they want to hit the ground running. So for six weeks without Javante as well, Alexander Madison has obviously proven to be able to take a 25 touch per game opportunity share and do very well with it. Mm -hmm. With that being said, we are moving on to, well, the Alexander Madison, I had the Broncos and Matt had the Saints, but he changes to the Broncos. Let's go. The first yeah, I, change. I, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> Next is up is a uh, a young running back turning just 25 years old, has been good in spurts, has been sat down on the bench in other spots. It's been a very up and down career so far for Mr. Antonio Gibson now hitting free agency. We know he can be effective runner at times. We know he could catch passes as well, but he just hasn't been able to do either consistently or whether it's because of his ability or whether it's because of the commanders not utilizing him correctly, time will tell because now he's hitting for agency and he's going to be able to choose a team that he goes to. And this one might be a bit of a surprise, but I have Antonio Gibson going to the Colts. I think after Jonathan Taylor's injury um, this season, they were screwed in that backfield after Deion Jackson and company. They tried, but they're not Jonathan Taylor. Um, they They're looking to turn around their career excuse me they're looking to turn around their franchise pretty quickly like this isn't a team that's looking to really rebuild per se um so i think antonio gibson signing to the colts for three years 12 million something in that uh that nature to be the one b to jonathan taylor catch some passes keep taylor's legs fresh makes a lot of sense even though it might not be the uh the most obvious landing spot for a guy like antonio gibson matt what do you think about uh gibson I mean, very similar reasoning, obviously receiving change of pace back in a committee role um, or, or you know, like the the one B that can take over in an injury scenario. Obviously, I have his best fit and landing spot as the Baltimore Ravens for that reasoning. Ooh. I think same, same idea is once, you know, obviously they, they labored through Kenyon Drake and, and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins coming back and then having to go back on IR and then coming back and looking great. But not having the same breakaway speed. And even he wasn't shy about it. He was like, nah, my knees fucked up and I can't yeah. run the same way that I used to. So give me another year and I'll be able to burn all these guys to the end zone. Like obviously not saying it verbatim, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think Antonio Gibson, especially with, uh, the new offensive coordinator that they bought it, brought in, which is, um, the OC from Georgia, uh, who just went back to back with Natty's, um, yeah, G Gibson fits so perfectly. You've seen Georgia run committees for the last decade, uh, obviously continued through the last two years with, you know, James Cook and, um, Zonovan Knight getting drafted, um, or, uh, nope, <laughs> I'm going to get it just a second. That's Zeus. The other Z Zamir, Zamir White. There, there we go. Got it. Um, yeah, you know, seeing these and again with Kenny McIntosh coming in this draft. So, yeah, Georgia just they love committees. They love kind of smaller, not that Antonio Gibson small, but they love smaller receiving backs, change of pace guys using a committee. J.K. Dobbins still needs some time. Again, even he admitted it to get back to that full speed. Hopefully the offseason is enough time for that to happen. Um, but Baltimore needs to reload and retool. I think they're obviously going to attack as many wide receivers in the draft and free agency as possible, but it's not like running back is a place that they can ignore either. Uh, Gus Edwards becoming a free agent. J.K. Dobbins obviously 
if they're going to extend him on that fifth year option, they have to decide to pick it up this year. Um, yeah. So I think Gibson and the Ravens offense, they're going to keep running heavy and, and hopefully start checking down to the running backs a little bit more. And, and he can get some of that production and some of that rookie value back as well. Interesting. The Ravens weren't a team I, uh, I really considered here for Antonio Gibson, but I think it, it could make sense. I can, I'm not going to lie. I was like stuck for Antonio Gibson's landing spot. And I asked my girlfriend who knows nothing <laughs> about football. I was like, well, where's Antonio Gibson going in free agency? And she was like, the Ravens? And I was like, damn, that's a good, like that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That's great. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. <laughs> the next oh, running she back... had a one in 32 chance, bro. Like <laughs> she got yeah. so lucky. I like it. The next running back we are going to be talking about is the oldest running back here. Already 28 years old. Lombardi Lenny of the formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hitting free agency. And this one is fun. Look, Leonard Fournette, as we know, two years ago had that breakout type season with the Buccaneers had a great um, postseason, which is why he's called Lombardi Lenny. And this year, it was just kind of a downhill for the entire Buccaneers offense, including Leonard Fournette. Rashad White kind of took over his role later on in the season. And Leonard Fournette just didn't look like he had the juice that he had two years ago. Or he, he wasn't nearly as effective as he was. And he is old now, but he could still he could still tote the ball, be a plotter type of running back, which is why I think Leonard Fournette goes to an old flame here and joins the Jacksonville Jaguars to help out Travis Etienne and Whoa. company. Yeah, <laughs> Travis Etienne, as we know, people were annoyed that he wasn't getting the workhorse type work this season a year after his injury, but he started getting more and more involved throughout the year. They really wanted James Robinson to fit in that offense, it seems. He was the one getting a ton of work early in the year, getting the, uh, the short yardage situation and such. So I think Leonard Fournette returning to the Jaguars on a one or two year deal for four to eight million respectively would make sense to pair with Travis Etienne, make Leonard Fournette the short yardage guy, make him the guy who fights for the touchdowns while you keep Travis Etienne fresh, you use Travis Etienne in passing situations. And he's the guy that is the game changer in that backfield while Leonard Fournette is the change of pace type of guy getting 10 carries or so a game similar to the Kind of like a, a Jamal Williams to DeAndre Swift, except if DeAndre Swift was getting a lot more touches. And I think Travis Etienne is only going to get more touches next year. But I think Leonard Fournette, the reunion in Jacksonville, I don't know if, where their minds are at, the Jacksonville uh, front office and Leonard Fournette, if there's some bad blood there or not. But I do think it makes a ton of sense for a reunion of of this of these two of these two here of the Jaguars and Leonard Fournette rekindling an old flame. What do you think, Matt? I, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but I kind of <laughs> like it. I kind of like it. And, you know, similarly, I kind of went down the same mind path for his landing spot is, is I really do feel like he's a committee veteran with receiving upside, short yardage, goal line work. Like, you know, to use a similar analogy, almost if Jamal Williams caught passes. Like, I think that's very much mm-hmm. the money that's going to be allocated to him. So, uh, yep, maybe a two to three year deal, four and a half, five million, respectively. Um, and although I changed Madison to agree with you, I originally had his best fitter landing spot to the Denver Broncos. Um, huh. Obviously, you can take on a bit of that early season work uh, 
with a higher opportunity share while Javante gets back to health with his MCL, ACL, meniscus, knee destruction, um, and reconstruction. But I think Fournette fits really, really well into what they're trying to do. It's obviously a win-now team. They don't necessarily need to look for youth in rebuilding. They have quite a bit of good youth on the offensive side with Javante if he's healthy. Greg Dulcich, Jerry Judy, obviously still under contract for two more years with that rookie deal. Yeah, so I think Fournette is healthy enough and, you know, good enough to maintain a larger opportunity share throughout the beginning of the season while Javante heals and then tear that off kind of in a similar fashion to Javante's rookie year or as they were trying to do in his second year where he kicks up his opportunity share later into the season and really pushes the veteran down the depth chart. I think that makes sense. I like it. Similar similar to the Alexander Madison. Um, but Fournette would definitely be more of a more of a bridge than Madison would be, I think. For sure. And Matt, I guess that I'm gonna, depends on how much they really trust in Javante and his knee moving forward. That's true. I'm going to let you kick this one off. we got two running backs left. This one is another older guy. Um, the oldest one here, Barry Sanders. I'm kidding. We're talking about uh, Jamal Williams, <laughs> who's, uh, who's turning 28 years old, off of his best season as an NFL vet, 15 touchdowns, led the NFL in rushing touchdowns this season, just shy of 1,000 rushing yards, was a big Big piece of that uh, Detroit Lions offense did not catch passes, really just 12 receptions on the year, but he was he was very good in his role. So, Matt, where do you see Jamal Williams ending up this season? I think the best fit and landing spot for Jamal Williams, honestly, is the Los Angeles Chargers. So I won't even beat around the bush with that one. They were dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alex or Austin Eckler just legitimately is not someone that that offense has deemed that they trust to run the clock out and run the ball between the tackles and be a goal line back for them. Even when they're up 30 points, they were giving the ball to Josh Kelly and Josh Kelly was getting 2.2 yards and they were punting on, you know, three and out and just taking, you know, 40, 40 seconds off the clock for three plays in a row, snapping it at the one second and hoping that they could outlast the Jaguars offense. And they didn't, they need somebody that can get them first downs and on you know, third and four, third and two, and somebody that can get them touchdowns inside of the five. Because as soon as Austin Eckler gets inside of the five, too, it's like they don't give that kid carries. It's incredible to see how effective he is in the red zone, but where those touches are allocated to, because it's obviously receiving work. The Chargers need a thumper. They need somebody that can step in on early downs and on late downs and inside of the five that can up that offense to a point that they're not blowing 30 point leads. Um, and that that's Jamal for me. And although he is a little older, I think it's very pertinent to, to mention that he doesn't have much wear and tear before this season. He'd never touched the ball more than 170 times in a single season had always been productive in the role that he was given in green Bay, which is the role that the lions utilized to the maximum extent when he literally broke Barry Sanders touchdown record. Um, yeah, I think Jamal still has a lot of burn on him. So I could see him getting a, a decent, you know, two to three years, probably six and a half mil, a little bit higher maybe than the Lions were paying him. But if any team is not going to at least spend draft capital on one of these bruising running backs coming into the rookie class, but is going to attack the running back position in free agency, it's got to be the Chargers, man. They need somebody more than Eckler. I like it. I think it makes sense to get, um, get him as a, 
one B there because, like you said, they're Josh Kelly's. That Justin Jackson was decent in the role, but he moved on. And I do think getting someone like Lions. Jamal, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I do think Jamal Williams makes sense there. <clears throat> I did not use the Chargers in my landing spot, but a similar thought process. I have him going to the New York Jets. Um, I think with Brees Hall recovering from a from a bad injury and the Jets. Look, they need a quarterback. Hopefully it's Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it's Derek Carr. I don't think. Maybe it's Ryan Tannehill even. I don't think the Jets go into the season with a with a rookie quarterback or Zach Wilson or Mike White. I think it's one of the big guys. I think they go out. Joe Douglas goes after a quarterback after seeing that the Jets' offensive weapons are very good and their defense is very strong. So I think Jamal Williams would fit in there perfectly. One to use while Brees Hall still recovers um, as the early down running back. We saw James Robinson try to do it. He couldn't really. Zonovan Knight had a couple nice games, but he he really fizzled out near the end of the year. So I think Jamal Williams makes a ton of sense there. And even when Brees Hall returns, Jamal Williams could be the, the goal line guy, the short yardage guy. Like we know he's effective in short yardage situations. I mean, he just led the league in touchdowns. Um, and he did it for years with Aaron Jones and company in Green Bay as well. Plus, he's just a fantastic human to listen to in his uh in his interviews. The man is a national treasure. Yeah. I assume he's a he's a big I, I assume people love him in the locker room as well, based on uh based on what we've seen outside of the locker room. But yeah, I think Jabal Williams to the Jets makes a ton of sense to get that veteran leadership in there for Brees Hall as well. Someone who's been there and someone who who's probably looking to looking to join a team that can win. And I think the Jets can win as long as they address the quarterback position. So I think Jamal Williams to uh, to the New York Jets makes sense. And that's where I have him landing this offseason. But we'll see if Joe they Douglas wants to, to allocate the money. Old offensive coordinator. Oh, there you go. True. And Aaron Rodgers is old offensive coordinator. And, and a rumor to get his. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great landing spot for Jamal. And I mean, yeah. also j- just, you know, for, for fun and fan purposes, Jamal and New York media. Oh my. Yes, please. Yeah. Right. When it's yeah. snowing outside, he's going to talk about Frozen again. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, Matt, let's finish this bad boy off with a one young, of the bigger names. One of the bigger names, a young name turning 26, um, has never really been a workhorse, so he doesn't have the mileage on his legs either. This was one of his best years of his young career, probably the best despite the ups and downs. Um, he was a big part of what the Eagles were looking to do. If that gave it away, it's Miles Sanders hitting free agency. Matt, Miles Sanders is a is someone for me. I I could see teams paying him to be a lead guy. I could also see teams paying him to mix in um, with another one A one B type situation. As we know, that's becoming the norm across the NFL. So what I what I went with here is might be a little bit of a shock, but I have him going to the New England Patriots to uh to join Ramondre Stevenson. I think Miles Sanders I think Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris were too much alike in terms of running style. Like Damian Harris is a good running back, but Ramondre Stevenson could do everything Damian Harris could do. Plus he was better and he was a good pass catcher. I feel like Miles Sanders might not be as strong as Ramondre Stevenson, but he could step in there. He could catch passes if needed, even though he hasn't been a huge pass catcher throughout his career. Um, but he could also run between the tackles if needed. He could run outside if needed. And this is a team that focused on their running back position this year with Ramondre Stevenson basically being a leader of that offense with Mac Jones struggling. And look, they're, hopefully they have a real OC next year. 
I don't know what the Patriots are doing this year with their offense. They were a lot better two years ago. Um, but I think Miles Sanders there to ease the burden on Ramondre Stevenson and become a 1A, 1B type situation. We'll see how much the if the Patriots are willing to spend on a running back. I, I could see Miles Sanders getting four and a half million a year, two years, nine million maybe makes sense if he wants to go for another payday in a couple of years. But I think the Patriots make sense as a landing spot for Miles Sanders. Matt, do you agree or where do you have him landing? I mean, I th- I do I do agree with you. I don't think that's a terrible spot at all. Uh, but also, I I wanted to point out like the the receiving production. Obviously, he opened up his rookie. I shouldn't say obviously, but he opened up his rookie year with 509 receiving yards and has regressed every year since 197 the following year, 158, and then just 78 yards last season. I think Sanders has that change of pace role and that like third down kind of the 1A, 1B sort of thing might be a misnomer to what his actual role is. Um, he's a maybe a bit of a little undersized early down back. And unless, you know, GMs or, or coaches or whoever going to make these final decisions for teams are deciding that what they saw in his rookie year, what they see on film and in, in limited volume in the receiving game is enough to really allocate a three down workload to him. As you were saying, he might very much get that role. If they believe that, then, you know, they're certainly looking at something that he hasn't necessarily shown as of late. I think that's going to mitigate his volume or um, his value a little bit on the free agency market. It's just the fact that the Eagles have misused him and kind of deaded his NFL value as a very highly touted prospect and early running back after his impressive rookie season. So with that said, I think Sanders' best landing spot probably comes to a place that is looking at somebody that they can add to a already high-functioning committee, uh, maybe a veteran replacement, a you know RB1B in a committee offense, seemingly is capable of handling a workhorse, workhorse role, but obviously has never been allocated those opportunities consistently. So the best fit for me and the best landing spot for me is the Arizona Cardinals somebody where he could probably sign a deal past James Connor's extension, um, probably work alongside Connor in what is a better role for him than it is for James until they get inside of the five, where you know, as James Connor's highest production has obviously come from touchdown dependency and being a you know, good goal line back, very similar to Jamal Williams in that sense. So mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals with, you know, them needing as much help as they can get in every aspect, they're obviously going to look defense first in the draft and defense first in free agency. But I think Miles Sanders is a very good fit if they can fit him into their salary cap plans, you know, maybe on that three years for around 20. Ooh, a decent amount of decent chunk of change for Miles Sanders. I yeah, don't know if he reaches I don't think that. He's gonna be the high, I don't think he's going to be the highest paid, but I do think like, like I said, like a veteran replacement, he is only going to be 26 when he signs that contract. So I think he's going to be utilized in more of a contending team, like a, another team that's in a position that they think they're pushing for a playoff, not a team that's rebuilding with him or around him, but a team that like, obviously the Cardinals think that they can win. They just need the proper system. Yeah, no, I hear that. Makes sense. So you got Miles Sanders heading to Arizona. I have him heading to the New England Patriots, and that is it for our RB free agency frenzy episode this was a fun one we're obviously going to be coming at you with qbs wide receivers and all that good stuff as well uh matt where can they find you at psych ward ff i'm at Brodo ff mike jason at Brodo ff jason tim at Brodo ff tim cass at Brodo ff casanova at ff by Brodo for the app account at 
Broto Fantasy on Twitter for the Broto account. A whole lot of Twitter handles to go follow, folks. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy to support the pod and the company and the app. New episode coming after this one. We're just going to be clicking end record, and then we're going to click start recording for the next episode. Um, and that's that. Yeah, download the app, and thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the free agency frenzy episode for the running backs. Later.